Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today for our midweek sermon recap that we try to do each and every week. Uh, looking forward to this one. Uh, we are in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1 through 8. Uh, this is the second week in a row we've been in this section, but this Sunday we focused really on two verses, verses 5 and verses 6, and specifically on, well, one word mostly, uh, but on two, I guess you could say, uh, the first word being the mediator and the second word of ransom, that we've been ransomed. And so let's read it together real quick. Uh, it says, first of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Hold on, let me take a breath. I'm having a hard time breathing, <laughs> being sick. Here we go. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this, I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm telling the truth. I am not lying. A teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. I desire then that in every place the men should pray, lifting holy hands without anger or quarreling. Like I said, our, our focus is on verses 5 and 6, really, in this message, where it says there's one God, there's one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. It really is a staggering statement that Paul puts here in this section. He's talking about prayer, praying for the lost, but in talking about prayer for the lost, he says that God desires all men to be saved. And then he gives us a nice theological uh, section there of truth that's important for us to understand what's happening and what's taking place. And this is why I thought it was worthy of a, a message for sure, uh, just these couple verses. And looking at what is what does it mean by the fact that Jesus is our mediator? And so the way I laid the message out was by asking a, a few questions to walk through it. Number one is, what is a mediator? What does the mediator do? And what comes to my mind, sadly, is in the role of divorce. Uh, you'll see people who are wanting to get divorced, but they do not want to go to court. And so instead, they'll go to a mediator. And the mediator will help them decide who gets what and how to split up all their assets or whatever might be a part of their relationship. Now, I don't speak of this to condone that, to say that that's a good thing. It's just I think when we think of the mediator role in our society, this is one where our mind would go. You guys got any other places where a mediator would be common in our society? You guys think of anything? One of the things that came to my mind was a sports analogy. But it was arbitration. Yeah. Whenever a player goes to arbitration right, right. to discuss his salary. Mm-hmm. Um, with um, the team, right? So they, they go to a judge or whatever to arbitrate what his salary should actually be mm-hmm. under certain circumstances. So Right. Yep. Anybody else? Judge Judy <laughs> comes to mind. That's what she does, right? <laughs> I guess. Wow. <laughs> I'd say she's the judge. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's good. Good job, Scott. That mm-hmm. is true. You know, come on. Yeah. Just a less cultured example, I guess. <laughs> She makes a lot of money. Doing she makes that. a yeah, lot of does. money. She does. Yeah. Judge Judith. Judge, What's her yeah. Judith? She's uh, got a new one now. Because she retired, but then she must have been bored <laughs> in retirement, so she picked up a new one. Nobody could make their decisions without her. They needed help. <laughs> she did a Brett Favre move. Yeah. I'm retired, but I'm coming out of retirement. <laughs> <Coming again. laughs> yeah. yeah. 
I was thinking like advocacy because when I was in Chicago working with World Relief, that's what part of what we we did. Our, our the office did like refugee resettlement and working with immigrants to help kind of help them advocate for them to get um, their funding and to get their citizenship ultimately and, and their green card and stuff like that. So it was very much a kind of a mediation type of advocacy thing. So yeah, I remember when my aunt was diagnosed with breast cancer, uh, she had a nurse that was specially assigned to her that was supposed to like lead her through because she wasn't married at the time or have anybody to really kind of walk through the whole medical process with her with all the documentation and the treatments and stuff and so she had a nurse that basically took everything the doctors were doing in the cancer center treatment and kind of like interpreted it for her and helped her make decisions based on like what they were telling her and stuff like that so that's kind of like a kind of mediation i guess Mm -hmm. in a way not to resolve Mm -hmm. a conflict but Mm-hmm. As like a go-between. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the dictionary um, specifically says a person who attempts to make people involved in a conflict come to an agreement. Or then it says a go-between person. And so one of the roles of a mediator is to be a neutral party. right? I, I don't want someone who's just going to favor me and not the other person. I guess I would want them to favor me, <laughs> honestly. But it should be somebody who's who's neutral. And gonna weigh all the factors in and be fair mm-hmm. when it comes down to the to the end, and that can be that can be a hard thing to find, uh, honestly. In in any case, and one of the things I mentioned I think in the message was like you see this in school sometimes where you're forced to be a mediator between two friends who are fighting or whatever the thing might be, and you're you're stuck in the middle trying to solve the problem and help your friend group become friends again. Um, that still happens. I guess I didn't need to say even in school, out of school now. Adults will do this same type of thing, uh, get nitpicky over something, and then you're forced to mediate. But the question then that I wanted to answer after that is, why do I need a mediator? Like, why does why does Paul bring this up? Because I, I don't know. I don't know what people would say, but I guess I would have said I don't have an issue with God. I don't know what the problem is. Like, you're talking about a conflict. I don't. I don't have a conflict. There's nothing. There's nothing wrong. So why do I need? Why do I need a mediator in my life between me and and God? And so I pose that question to you guys. Why? Why do we need a mediator between us and God? Anything? Okay. Well, I'll, I'll jump in um, <laughs> because we're sinners. Um, that's why, and, and that's why it's so important, Paul's statement, there is one God, um, is a really, um, a very, the, the statement there is only one God, and the one God we have to deal with is the triune God, is a very important statement, because it means we're all accountable to one person in the universe, or one being in the universe, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. Um, and so, our relationship with with this God has been broken because of our lack of um, conformity to His standards. We don't. We haven't met the standards. We have sinned and broken that relationship, and therefore, um, <clears throat> we do what we do because we are what we are. We're sinners, and therefore, we sin. And so, there's a there's a gulf now, a gap between us us and and the Creator. Uh, the one God, and everybody's got the same problem because there's only one God. There's not a bunch of other gods 
to that that you you might have a problem with that god over there but my problem is with this god over here nope we're all held accountable at the same tribunal the same judgment seat uh before god and the question is so then that that demands there's only one mediator then everybody's got the same problem there's one god one problem and but only one solution mm-hmm. um ultimately i think sometimes maybe like the way you pose that question of a person who says i don't have a problem with god that doesn't mean that God doesn't have a problem with you. And that's where understanding who God is as the one God, as you were saying, Spencer, is you are accountable to him. It's not just about how you feel about him. Um, I would say in that case, that person probably doesn't even know what they're thinking of as sure. the true God, of who he's revealed sure. himself to be in his word. And so I, that's the important part that we don't like to hear a lot of times and isn't always fun to say of a person who doesn't have a, a problem with the concept of God as we would talk about it, the truth is he has a problem with you. Mm-hmm. You've rebelled against him and his rule, mm-hmm. and you're going to be held accountable for that. Um, so I think that's why a lot of people would say that I don't have a problem with God, but that, that that's not the end of that right. conversation. Well, and that's where then the law comes in. It's like, okay, we'll prove it. You should, the first commandment is have no other gods before me. You should fear, love, and trust in God above all things go for it mm-hmm. do it mm-hmm. and that's what Paul, that's what Jesus did to the rich young ruler mm-hmm. right who came and said I've done all these things and Jesus said okay we've talked about the second table right commandments what five, four through or five through uh, ten okay let's see if you can obey the first four and have no other gods before me and he can't <laughs> and so and that's really what you have that's the purpose of the law which is then to show us the fact that um, we can't do that. And, the, sad, and the, the painful part of that is is whenever we, for, for many of us, the first step in understanding that is trying to obey the law and realizing I can't, I can't. And that's what then brings us to see, oh, okay, so that's why, that's really the problem. So I really don't like God that much. If I did, I could do his law um, and love him and trust him and fear him. Yeah, and Paul's writing to a church, to a pastor there who's ministering in a city that would have multiple gods. I mean, they have a temple to one of them. Mm-hmm. And so people could legitimately say, I mean, I'm okay with my God, though, yeah. over here. And Paul's statement there of there's one God mm-hmm. is controversial in that area. And a reminder to Timothy, you know, that you you are worshiping the one true God. There's not multiple gods out here. And there's only one mediator between that God and us. There's not multiple. Um, And so when we realize, though, that sin has caused us to have a distorted relationship with God, why can't I solve that, though? Why can't I mediate on my behalf with God? Well, you owe satisfaction to God for for the debt you've incurred because of your sin, and by all rights, we should be the ones to try to make the satisfaction, mm-hmm. to meet the demands. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Problem is, of course, is uh, far from meeting the demands, we increase our debt every day because of what we are. We can't, we can't, so we'd have to do two things. We'd have to pay for the, for the, the debt we owe on top of continually always fulfilling the law already. So there's a negative aspect of, I need to pay the neg. I need to suffer for and take the punishment, while at the same time meeting all the demands of the law perfectly, <clears throat> and I can't do either of them. 
because I've sinned against the one God. And the punishment for sinning against the one God because of who he is is um, because we've, we've committed crimes against divinity is eternal punishment in hell. So I'd have to suffer and bear the weight of, of a divine eternal punishment plus perfectly conformed to his law mm-hmm. myself. I can't make that satisfaction. Uh, rather, we increase our debt every single day uh, because we are still sinners. And so there's no way for us to meet those demands. So satisfaction has to be looked outside of ourselves then. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look in creation everywhere and say, where can this satisfaction be found? Could it be found in an angel? No. Could another creature pay for me? No. Well, so I have to have somebody who is has the same nature as me, but who somehow is able to have, I need somebody to be in the same nature as me, but also have the worth of God in order to match the the sin I've committed against. So somehow there has to be this God man, divine and human natures have to come together in one person in order to pay this, this satisfaction, mm-hmm. this debt I owe God. Yeah. And that's the wonder of the incarnation and the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I was thinking, you know, in your sermon, there's a difference, like, you know, as you know, pastorally, we can counsel, we can encourage, we can shepherd the Levites, you know, they could be, they were pastoral, they could offer sacrifices, you know, but they could not be the ultimate mediator, you know, because again, of, of being, you know, tainted with sin, being corrupted. And so therefore we can point to the one who can be the ultimate mediator or is the ultimate mediator Christ. And that's the problem. Like, even when I was a kid, I never understood why do I have to go to a priest, you know, for confession. It was a dreadful thing, you know, um, because that was their that's their theology. You know, this well, you go to the priest who are the the mediators, and then they can tell you, oh, pray this, you know, hail Mary, pray this, whatever, and then your sins will be forgiven. And even in my mind, young as I was, I just did not understand that. And here we have a clear clear you know, understanding of what Paul is saying that it's it's Christ. We can counsel. We can encourage we can support but we can't mediate so yeah it's funny too like I, I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this of a person who actually comes to you wanting you to mediate yeah as a pastor have you all, have you all ever experienced mm-hmm. that yeah like they they i mean they might not use those kinds of words mm-hmm. but they basically like they come to you they confess like what they've been doing or how right. they've been living and they just say like i just need you to put in a good word for me mm-hmm. or something like that yeah I've had, I mean I think I've had that happen to me before. Yeah. People that are looking for a mediator but mm-hmm. I have to redirect them and say you're looking to the wrong place. Right. There is one mediator for you and it's not me. Right. Yep. Exactly. So people almost naturally know they need a mediator mm-hmm. I think yeah. when they're confronted with That's their sin. That's a good point. Yep. And there definitely is a place for people to um come to um, a mature Christian brother or sister or one of your pastors and uh, especially if you're weighed down and you can't get beyond guilt and shame or whatever it is in your life, um, there is a place uh, for you to come and uh, unburden your soul to, a, in a wise way, to a trusted person who you can, who is you you can trust is godly and is gonna. But but you're right. The thing that we have to offer is we're simply the instruments in Christ's hands to bring the gospel announcement to you, to remind you of the cross, to tell you that Jesus Christ has done it all and forgives all who believe 
and trust in his grace. And so there is a place for that, but yeah, there's no place for, but we don't have magic to do this. We're just ambassadors. We just stand in place of Christ and just tell them what he's done. Mm -hmm. Um, that's all, that's all we can do, but I shouldn't say that's all we can do. That's, uh, that's everything, everything, isn't it? Yeah. It's everything. <laughs> That's what's yeah. sad to see is so many people try to mediate on their own behalf today, yeah. you know, and they try to come up with uh, systems or solutions to appease the wrath of God. Uh, and, you know, other religions do this, and there's certain things yeah. you got to do, and you will appease this, you will solve this problem. Mm -hmm. um, but I think people do it individually as well. They might come up and they might not write a book of this is what it's going to take for me to get to heaven or to appease the wrath of God. But in their mind, they do think that I, I'll go to church. That will make him happy. Yep. You know, I'll, uh, <clears throat> I'll volunteer at a shelter or, you know, I'll care for something in the community mm -hmm. or, um, I'll I'll seek forgiveness for my ancestors for something. I've seen that done uh, here in our county, actually. Mm. Uh, just things like that, and, and, it, and it's this act of of trying to appease God somehow. There's yeah. There can be this sense of, too, where I, I, I make amends by being too transparent. And my confession becomes a means of appeasing everybody yeah, instead the, of... The problem with that is what yeah. you had said earlier with God. Like, you might appease man, right? but we can't appease God because mm -hmm. the punishment for our sin is eternal punishment and wrath of God. Mm -hmm. So you saying that prayer, that little prayer, you know, are you coming to church or are you handing out some soup at the soup kitchen? Mm -hmm. You think that appeases the wrath of God because of your disobedience and rebellion right. towards him? That to me, it's like you're just heaping stones mm -hmm. upon yourself doing that. Mm -hmm. What a slap in the face to yeah. think that you can yeah. actually do something mm -hmm. here, you know, and that's the problem. That's why we can't be our mediator. We're yeah. always going to go easy on ourselves. But we're always going to take it easy. Mm -hmm. uh, this seems to be one of Luther's problems when he was when he was figuring things out. Oh, when yeah. God was revealing Himself, is he started to realize I can't mediate on my own behalf. Nothing I do is enough. No, you know, no matter what, I, I just I can't catch up or whatever it might be. And uh, sadly, though, a lot of people are running that race, mm -hmm. and it's a race with no victory. There's just nothing at the end of it because we are not a neutral party. We can't do it. And so we need mediation. And God has set up, we, talk, we don't have to talk about this a ton now, but I had went through the message talking about the mediators of the Old Testament, the prophets, the priests, the king, and specifically the, the priestly role of mediation of where God set up mediation on behalf of Israel. Because of your sin, this is what needs to be done, right? We have the Levitical priests, and we're going to have sacrifices, and we're going to have these festivals, and we're going to have these different things that you must do. And oh, and here's the law. I need you to follow the law, right? I need you to do all this stuff. And what we see really quickly is even in that, <laughs> can't do it. Mm -hmm. Just couldn't keep up with it. I, I can't imagine living at that time of just wondering, is that blood going to cover my sin? Did I do it right? Mm -hmm. Did the priest do it right? Right, all all those different questions that have to be asked and answered um, had to have been tough. But those are pointing to the mediator that was to come. It was pointing all those sacrifices, all that blood is pointing to the blood that will be spilt once and for all, for all mankind. And that's what Paul is telling Timothy here, right? He mm -hmm. he says there's one mediator between God and man, 
and it's and it's Jesus. And, and, and notice too, as a pastor, but as a Christian and as a church, um, one of the things our society, um, as a culture, we can do one of two things. We can over there. There's this always this struggle between I'll call it the one and the many, between making things too say too much the same or making them too dissimilar and diverse. On the one hand, we can we can say well uh, we can we can overemphasize the sameness that we have, and you can see this with the Trinity, right? Where it's like well the oneness then dis- destroys the the distinction of the persons. God is so one that there's only one person, which is a heresy. On the other hand, if you go too much on the diversity side, you're going to say God isn't one being. You're just going to emphasize the three persons aspect. Similarly, in our culture today, we tell people so much, you are so special. Your case is so unique. And we want to know how we can meet your unique case. But what Paul tells us, no, there's only one God. And there's only one mediator. And there's really only one basic problem. Mm -hmm. It may manifest itself in some diverse ways in your life, but at the core, you've only got one God who you're accountable to. Your problem is the same as my problem, the same as their problem. And there's only one redeemer, only one ransomer. Um, And so actually that's a very comforting thing to realize, uh, to tell people too. Your case isn't so unique. Because if you think your case is so unique, then you're going to spend your time being lost in yourself, trying to figure out your uniqueness. And the gospel reminds us, um, actually, at your core, you're just a sinner, and Christ is the Savior, and the basic gospel message is the same for all of us. And that's why whenever we come to church, we all just need to hear the cross again. I thought about that some today, listening to uh, a sermon they, they were preaching out of Acts 20. And this wasn't necessarily the point of the message, but in Acts 20, verse 24, Paul says, But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And I, uh, when that was read, I remember thinking, most of our preaching is trying to convince people they have worth. I feel like, because that's what our society wants. They want to know that they have worth. And so there are some who lead it astray, and they say, you know, you have worth in the wrong way, that you're, you're special to God and this different thing. But, but I would say even us at times can, can just talk about how much God loves you and died for you and care, which is true. But we, we try to build people up and, and convince them of the gospel message by showing worth. But then you have Paul here saying, I've, I don't have any worth. I don't value, I don't value any of my life. In fact, I'm, I'm, I'll, I want to give it for the gospel's sake. And I think that's so different than the stream of our society. I mean, I'm guilty of that too. I want people to see this is your king and you're a part of his kingdom and he loves you like a father. And I again, all this, you have an inheritance, mm-hmm. all this specialness. And there is, a, there is, and a, there is that. There is uniqueness. There, there is, is that true. for sure. But on the flip side, you you, I don't want a church filled with people who are just like, look at special me. God chose me. It's like, we no, now we need to be like Paul of saying, my, my life, who am I? Right. You know, who am I? I? I should be willing to lay my life down for anything, you know, and who cares if nobody remembers me? Who cares if my legacy doesn't live on or, or whatever? It's not what I'm, that's not what I'm here for. I, I, I'm, I'm the least of these. I need to be the least of these, and that's what Paul was getting across there. And 
in Acts, and that, that just jumped out at me this morning as I was listening to that message. Is like how often we. Who was that? Was that Joyce Meyer or who <laughs> yeah. were you listening to? It was, it was one of them. Okay, Todd White or somebody. Okay, somebody like that. I can't remember. Who Todd White. <laughs> I don't even know if we should say those names on here. I know. <laughs> I don't want people to look them up. Anyways, it was it was big. That's who I always okay, to in yeah. the morning. The good. The okay. Okay. <clears throat> okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah, that's who it was. Yeah, that wasn't his message though. That's just I I tailed off. Oh, okay. Started looking okay. at the fields. His and message was about how special you are. <laughs> <laughs> special you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's inter- I mean, Paul uh, in Romans, uh, you know, w- once he gets to the point where it's like saying that you've been brought in, he he checks that though that kind of pride that comes from saying like, look at me. I'm part of the people of God, right? People mm-hmm. were broken off so that I might be brought in. Right. He says, well, you can be broken off just as easy. If, you, <laughs> yeah. if, the, if the natural branches are broken off, mm-hmm. you can be taken out too. Mm-hmm. Be and, um, and then, I mean, every, every, that's why the gospel of grace is, mm-hmm. is so important because it's not you. Right. Like, you didn't do this, right? Mm-hmm. You're not the one that deserves, that deserves the praise for it. Yeah, and, and so I feel like we've talked about, you know, just the, the normalcy of a faithful life to God isn't, being on stage it isn't being the lead singer it's not necessarily being a missionary to somewhere where you introduce a tribe for the first time to the gospel and you write the the bible out in their language or something and i think that's what people try to achieve so much but it's it's sometimes i worry that that's not coming from a good place it's not coming from a place of i want to do the most i can for god it's coming from i'm special and god probably has special things for me Instead of being, I want to do whatever God wants me to be. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to live here and this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to this church and I'm going to be a part of this church. And I'm going to love that church. I'm going to love the people in it. I'm going to make meals for people sometimes. I'm going to raise my kids. If God blesses me with kids, I'm going to go to work. And in the end, I'm going to die and I'm not going to have some big sculpture. The church people might not even uh, remember me a ton, but. I'm just going to do what God has called me to do and be faithful in it every step of the way. And I'm going to do that with joy. I'm going to do that with peace. I'm going to do that with a gratitude. And I'm going to do it as long as God has me on this earth. Mm-hmm. I just, I don't always hear that from people. I guess I don't always think that myself either. You know, you, mm-hmm. you try to put these big grand things. Uh, and with Paul, it was something, it was something uh, different mm-hmm. there in, in Acts. Yeah. I don't know why we got on this, but and I think the principle, I think the principle just to go along with that. The principle, like I think in our culture, we hear this. So you you have to find your life. You got to find what makes you you, right? You know, mm-hmm. you got to be your be you. And uh, and what does Jesus say? Jesus says, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. If you want to be your true self, that means you deny yourself. You take up your cross. You follow me. And I think that's, that's the, you know, those contrasts there, you know, culturally it's like, oh, find yourself, find what makes you, you find what makes you special. And you go do that. You, you know, you go do you right. And Jesus says, you want to find yourself, your true self die, right? Mm -hmm. Give it up, give up your life. And I think that's, so we we get caught up in like, oh, I got to find that, that special magical unicorn out there that (laughs) makes me like know that I have this value and this purpose. And the gospel is very simple. You, you can be that. You can be what God's called you to be, but you have to do it my way, which means you got to take up your cross and deny yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, mm-hmm. that's the message, you know, that's the contrast we hear. Mm-hmm. So, Yeah. Yeah. No, I think, I think this is good discussion. Um, I think this is, a, you know, the, the emphasis I think we're, you know, you're trying to get at is just to encourage people 
that um, I find this very encouraging for myself because as someone, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but sometimes I can think my problems are so different that no one else can understand them. Right. No one else gets this. No other Christian in this church struggles with this. No one else has this issue. And, or, um, why can't I figure this out? Why can't I fix this in my life? And one of the things that are, we do live in a society where, on the one hand, I am grateful for certain aspects of biblical counseling. I'm grateful for certain things. But one of the side effects of much of that overall therapeutic movement uh, in our culture and then biblical counseling can be uh, in churches is that sometimes then we, we begin to make people think that they have to figure out all of the specifics of their such unique circumstance. Whereas I think the older Christian understanding, like if I think about like guys like Luther, they would listen to you and counsel you, but their first thing would be, are you in church hearing the gospel? Because the solution to your problem is to hear the law that you're convicted under the 10 commandments and then to believe the promises again. And then in your vocations, if you're a husband, go love your wife. If you're a dad, love your kids. If you're a worker, go do your job the best you can and come to church and, and just do that and let Christ save you. And that that's but that's not glamorous. No, and this is where. Like but I said, find that extreme. I'm gonna. I'll, I'll let I'll let you finish in a second. I but, appreciate that. But, but I'm saying I find this very comforting uh, for me. And that's why we're here, is right? To comfort, to comfort me, I'm very therapeutic. You I find that you, very Spencer, therapeutic. You. Actually, this is this is kind of pretty just, much every message I preach. You're on the forefront of my mind. <laughs> I'm thinking this is for Spencer. Special. Yeah. Is that Special. really, yeah. really the case? <laughs> I keep your picture. I've thought that, but I didn't want to say anything. But I what keep you, your picture yeah. on the front of the pulpit. And what you just outlined is, is what a good counselor will do. Yeah. A good Christian or a good biblical counselor will do is remind you of the gospel, mm. take you back to it. And because usually, I'm, I meant to say this in what I was preaching last night, is that almost every instance of a person that comes to me or a couple that comes to me that needs counsel it's usually just a case of they've forgotten something that they've already learned before, mm. and they just need to be reminded of it and guided right. back to those foundational principles. Right. And that's that's what any good counselor will right. do. And I don't want real quick caveat. I'm not against all biblical counseling. I'm not against that. I'm just saying. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying that I see a tendency sometimes um, where we can over. We it's like we overvalue the unique parts instead of just the 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 aspect of. Mm-hmm. You're, you're really not that special, though. Yeah, so like an example of this would be, this is why people need to be in church under good under good preaching. And I'm not saying I'm good, but one of the things that I brought I out yesterday, <laughs> one of the things I brought out yesterday, I hope, was Romans 1. And the fact that as we sit in our pews and we hear Romans 1, it's very easy for me, I know, to think, yeah, all them scoundrels out there, look at them, they're all, they're all going deeper and deeper. And they're claiming to be wise, mm. but they're fools. And I'm labeling that to them mostly. Spencer. Come up again. again. But you know what I mean. But what I did yesterday is I tried to remind our church family this is us. We claim to be wise. We claim to act like we have all the answers. Mm -hmm. But we all know sitting in this room, sitting in that room, we all sin this week. We none of us could say oh, I didn't live a Romans one life this week. Yes, you did. You, I guarantee you did. You can't <laughs> say that. But that's the reminder that we need, mm-hmm. right? Of how we're all in this boat together. Like, there's probably people who sat in church Sunday and were ashamed. 
of some sin. And it's like, I have some good news for you. That guy over there did the same thing. <laughs> like and he right. did too. Right. And a lot of people are struggling with these things. Like you were saying, but that's what made me think. This isn't unique to you, you know, and I'm not saying there are some sins are worse than others. Yes, we have. We see that in consequences and stuff, but we all sit in here in the same predicament. I cannot reconcile myself to God. I just can't do it. But that's what makes it such good news of what we read there in First Timothy chapter 2 is I'm not the mediator. You're not the mediator. There's one mediator. And what we were told about the mediator in the verse before, in verse 4, is that God desires all men to be saved through him. And the invitation is for you, mm-hmm. right? That, that you have this mediator. And not is he just a good mediator, but verse 6 tells us who gave himself as a ransom so he's not just some neutral party either who's like, okay, you do this and you do this and we'll be all good. He He's the mediator who says, I've done everything for you. It's done. It's completely done. If you'll believe, if you'll trust, if you'll have faith. And that's, that's then the question for us is, do you trust the mediator? Do you trust the finishing work of Christ? If you're trusting in other things, that's that's no good. Like in our community... I think this is something that we would push back with Roman Catholicism. Are you trusting in the mediating work of Christ? Are you trusting in that plus some other mediation? Because if you go by their doctrine, there's other mediation that you must do, that the church has laid out. Uh, Are you trusting in these things? Because what we see here is there's only one mediator. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mention the church. It mentions Christ Jesus Mm -hmm. is the mediation. And so we need to make sure that that is what and who we are trusting in, this great, perfect mediator, but also this great ransomer, the one who paid it all for us, the perfect one. And that is such good news. You know, if if I, you know, if, if I don't know, if we were to get in an argument, we could go to the best mediator in the world, and they say that, I'm like, okay. But the fact is, he's not going to solve the problem by paying for it for us. We're going to have to pay him or her to mediate for us. And then we're going to have to do what they say to make it all right. But then it's still on me. Am I going to divvy my things up how I should? Are you going to do it? Are we going to be kind about it and all this? Probably not. And it's going to mess up, even with the best mediator the world has to offer. But in what Jesus has done, he's the best mediator. But he also did all the work Yeah, in there as well. Yeah. And that's the good news. And that's the privilege we have when we preach Christ or when we share the gospel with people is I can stand before that group of people not knowing. I don't know what God's doing in any of their hearts. I have, I have no idea, right? I, but I can, I can legitimately stand before everybody in there and say, this invitation of Jesus, this offer is 100% for you. Will you accept it? I And that's such a freedom to be able to do that. I have the right to do that. This is for you. Because God has given me the right to do that. He said that. I desire all men to be saved. Mm-hmm. And there's this. And tell them that. Let them know this. Now, I don't know how they're going to respond. I have, no, I have no idea. That's on them uh, from that point. But I can freely say, this is for you, though, if you will trust, if you will accept. And... uh that's a great message to be able to give, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, uh, it's the best news. Like you said earlier, Spencer, you said it's it's everything. It really is. It really is everything. There's nothing bigger. There's nothing. There's nothing better. 
this is it. You know, I mean, <clears throat> if I knew today or if I knew yesterday what I know today, I could have stand before our whole church and said, I need all of you guys to go put a million dollars on the Chiefs. I don't know if this is a spoiler. I hope this ain't a spoiler. Maybe someone's no, in the no. bubble. This, in you the know, bubble? yeah, people will go in the bubble because they couldn't watch the game. Oh. So they try to shelter themselves from everything so they can watch it and not know. Well, if they're sheltering themselves, they won't listen to this. They won't listen yeah. to this either. <laughs> yeah, good point. But I mean, the Chiefs ended up winning. Mm-hmm. And I would think, you know, what would be great for our people is if they all could become millionaires. I'm going to tell them to go put all they have on the Chiefs because I know that this is going to happen. And I wouldn't be afraid to do that, right? Because I, I know. And this is going to only be good for you. And that's the message. But we have a better message with the gospel. I know this. And it's the best thing ever for you. Better than any money. Better better than any IRA or anything. This is for you. This invitation is for you. But like with the with the gambling thing, they'd have to do it. I, I can't force you to do it. I'm just telling you. And I can't force people to do it. I can't open their eyes to the truth. I can't convince them. I'm just told to invite them. Here it is. And it's a privilege to be able to invite people to that. And hopefully we uh, that's something we take take serious. Anything else? How long have we went? 37 minutes? Mm-hmm. I just think, I mean, the other one. You th- said no. You I know. Me I right did. in the face and but said then, no. But then I thought about this. I mean, the way Paul ends that paragraph saying in verse 7, for this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle. I'm not lying. I'm I am no I am telling the truth I'm not lying a teacher of the gentiles in faith and truth. And so he's he's emphasizing he's a preacher to the gentiles and you've already mentioned like this is for all people. Right? And that's that's part of the the ministry that Timothy is continuing there in Ephesus. Mm-hmm. That this isn't just for Jews. This is for all people, people that are different than you. Um I know we just got done talking about you know how we're all really the same we have the same struggles but there's a lot of people that are different than you too sure and yeah. and so people who like look, chiefs fans like chiefs fans exactly mm-hmm. right yeah some people are happy some people aren't yeah, yeah. <laughs> and some so people have joy i prefer <laughs> yeah he's wearing black today yeah. some people some people get joy out of other people's pain <laughs> yeah you guys got some real joy out of out of my i've learned recently you guys have only reinforced me that that hatred does have benefits <laughs> yeah. with that party what that party I that got was so, not that was our a, plan. I'm just saying that was, that your, was mom your mom and dad. And dad. Your saying, flesh though, and blood. Yes. I'm just saying though that that shows <laughs> it has benefits for all of us. <laughs> it does. I got, got Chipotle out of it. I got Chipotle yeah. out of it. There you <laughs> go. There you go. Yeah. 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 There you go. But I just think that's that's part of this passage here is an emphasis that there is this is not just a gospel for people who are like us. It's for people who are unlike us. You know, and that goes into, we were talking before we were recording, just we were talking a little bit about like ministries in cities and rural areas and Mm -hmm. stuff. And it's just a a point again of the, you're right. Yeah. Okay. Good. good. The content doesn't change, Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Some millionaire in New York needs to hear the exact same message as some person in Monroe. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, that's what we have as a church. I don't have anything else to offer you. I actually have everything to offer you, and this is what it is. Take it or leave it, right? But here, it's it's for you. Uh, and like you were saying, there's a lot of different people in the world, but they all have the same need, and that is the mediator, right? Uh, Christ Jesus. We all have to go through that big gold door. You're talking about millionaires in New York. It yeah. just made me think about gold doors. Yeah. Is like Willy Wonka? Is that Willy Wonka? I thought no. it was gold streets. No, never mind. 
Pearl right. Gates, Yellow Brick Road. I wasn't thinking about oh, that. Yeah. What were you thinking about? Emerald. What's the gold door? I was thinking about the 45th president. I'm still you lost. Know. Keep yeah. going. We, we're on the 46th president right now. Okay. Uh, who was the 45th president? Okay. Did he mention a yeah, gold door? Yeah, he always talks about, oh, yeah, he's going to have a big gold door for everyone to... Okay, never mind. I've never heard that. I don't no, he's talking about building the wall. And oh. he's like, we're going to have, we're going to let people in and they're going to have a big, big gold big door. Gold and door. so I was talking about oh. gold doors. And oh. so, anyway. All right. They kind of bombed a little I'm bit. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make it bomb. a little bit, but oh, um, that's okay. It's okay. <laughs> I didn't mean to do that. I apologize. Hey, yeah, it's okay. Anyways, forget it. All right, next week's the week. Uh, I got to tackle verses nine through fifteen. I've been getting texts about this. What about verse eight? I verse eight was included. That will be that will be part of that. Okay, okay. (laughs) it'll be part of that too. I'm sure. Okay, Um, but so oh, so you're gonna talk about women? I mean, maybe. Okay, unless I can find like a. So there's. A, I'm hoping to find like the Greek of Adam or something that's really interesting. I could just roll with that for a while. <laughs> so here's here's three S's you could use: self control, submission, and silence. Okay, there you go. All right, good job, Spencer. I'm seeing that Spencer will be preaching Sunday. Yeah. Um, Everybody oh, was it, feeling sorry for Spencer. <laughs> yeah. Now they're not. Now they're like, take him right, down. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. So I don't know. That's it. That we'll see. Think about it. You know. Or then there's salvation at the very end. They'll be safe through childbearing. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah. Self-control. Yeah. That's what I had, yeah. All right, well, we look <coughs> forward to that. This is probably going to be the foundations for a book Tim writes. Yeah, maybe. For all the women in our church. Um, yep. Okay. Yeah. We'll yeah. find out. We'll see. Hopefully. Hopefully it's good. Well, we do look forward to seeing you this Sunday. And that's where we'll be in First <laughs> Timothy chapter 2. <laughs> Verses 8 through 15. We'll look that over. Uh, also, this coming Sunday evening is ordination service for three deacons that were voted in as deacons not too long ago. Uh, looking forward to that. Hopefully, you can join us for that service. There's a little fellowship after. Uh, should be a good time together. Um, I'm so thankful that God is, is doing that. But like I said, we hope we see you this coming week, this coming Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, in the meantime, we hope you have a blessed week. God bless.